Well, we're going to read a scripture together, so if you'd remain standing. Uh, If you're new, by the way, my name's Brad, and I'm the lead pastor. Thanks for coming today. Um, After the service, Laura and I would love to meet you. If you came on the arm of a friend, uh, bring them back with you. We'll be standing out by the front doors. Honestly, if you you have any questions, if if I can help any of you in any way, I'll be there, and I'll I'll spend as much time as I need to, to help you. That's what my calling is, and I love to do that. So if you need to talk to me, you come, you come find me, you come find Laura. We'll be back by the, the front doors after the service. So we're doing this series called Rest, I'm coming off of my a sabbatical. So if you're new, uh, I was on an eight-week sabbatical, and uh, about every seven years is when pastors will typically take a break and just kind of reflect and rest and renew and prepare for the future. And and as I was going through that, I just thought, you know what? We all need to rest. The world is pretty chaotic. And just turn to somebody right now and say, you look like you need a nap. You look like you need a, a nap, okay? I mean, you're worn out. You know, last week we talked about eliminating the phrase, I'm tired. How you doing? I'm tired. We also talked about eliminating the phrase, how you doing? I'm busy. I'm busy. Okay, those phrases we don't say as followers of Jesus. We say, I'm doing what? Anybody here last week? I'm doing great. great. Yeah, I'm doing great. And if you weren't here last week, you're like, what's that all about? Go back, listen to the podcast, and you'll, you'll see what that was about. But we're spending some time in Psalm 23, a great Psalm of David, uh, quoted by world leaders for thousands of years. It's, it's one of the most quoted poems and, and songs out there. And I think we can find rest in, in this Psalm. And so this series is really the big idea for every week of the series is I can find rest in the midst of stress. Not, not stress going away, stress ain't ever going to go away, but I can find rest in the, in the midst of stress. So you may know this 23rd Psalm by heart. I don't. So we're going to put it on the screen. I, I, it's like the Lord's Prayer. I always forget one or two lines. And so we're going to put it on the screen and let, let's just say this uh, together as a declaration of rest. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Okay, stop there for just a second. You were here last week. Anybody take advantage of green pastures? Anybody, anybody find the green pasture? Some of you did. Man, we talked about God wants us who are followers of Jesus to have fun. Like to find something you enjoy and go and do it. And then he says, the still waters, anybody get up, you don't have to raise your hand, but did anybody get up 10 minutes early? I I challenged you last week, I said, get up 10 minutes early before the noise hits you and and sit beside the still waters and and let God speak to you. He wants to speak to you through his word. And and man, if you did that this week, I bet your day was different. I bet your week was different. So he leads me beside the still waters. Let's pick it up here. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the worship that we have already experienced. And I pray, God, that in this moment where we open your word, that you would speak to each one of us. If you, if you want to hear God's voice, just speak to him right now. God, talk to me. 
What do you want to say to me today? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, what, God, what do you want to say to me today? He wants to speak to all of us. And, and so pray for me as your pastor that um, as I open God's word and we speak about it, that I'm going to be faithful to the text and, and what he's trying to get said to us. And if you're ready, if you're ready, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. All right, you can, you can sit down. Well, I have to make a confession. It's not much of a confession. Uh, if you, those that know me know this is true about me. I'm, I'm just not a yard guy. I, I, don't like, I don't like mowing my yard. I don't like edging my yard. I don't like anything about that. It's just kind of a to-do list thing. Anybody like that? You're just not a yard person. You're not good at yard work. Anybody good? How many of you are good at keeping your lawn pristine? It looks like Pebble Beach Golf Course. You're amazing. We hate people like you. We just don't like people like you. And you, you need to find another church to go to. You drive us crazy, okay? You're that neighbor that we're like, oh, looky there. What is, he's got, he has way too much time on his hands, okay? Uh, because that's my neighbor across the street. I love him. He, he, you know, some of you might know him. His name is Jim, and he's a good friend. But man, I despise him because his yard is perfection and mine is not. But this year, I determined... I was going to try to bring my lawn up to speed. You ever, you ever tried to do that? You're, you're going to bring your lawn up to speed. And I'm, I guess, so I start seeding it, and, 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 I, and it's working. And it's, it's starting to look really good. And I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my yard is green this year. <laughs> Take that, Jim. You know, I'm like, and, and, and then I came home, and I pulled up in my driveway. And some of you have seen this in your yard. And I saw these strange dirt piles all over my yard. And then I started seeing these tracks running under the ground and popping up where my foot would sink in. Moles and gophers had invaded my yard. Anybody got a gopher in your yard? Oh my goodness, those are from Satan. And that is not created by God, okay? That is the serpent mentioned in the Bible. And so I'm like, oh, what is this? And then so I start trying all the different uh, ways you can kill off the gopher or get rid of the gopher. And so I first, and I, I, I try the, the granules. I put the granules down, and I'm going to kill all of the uh, grub worms. So that's the first thing you do. And so you kill off the grub worms, and then what happens is the gopher moves to your neighbor's house, moves to Jim's house. <laughs> How awesome is that? Like, you have a gopher problem? Oh, man. Sucks to be you. Yeah, and so <laughs> I did that, and it, and it worked for a few days. And I was like, I got it. I did it. And then I came home, and there was that dirt pile again. And I'm like, oh, man. And so then I heard you could, you could gas them. That when uh, they're... Uh, look, this is what's so funny. You, can, you put this little gas thing bomb down in the hole. You cover it up, and it explodes, and it kills them. And, it's, and, they're, and they're dead, and they just over, and they're gone. So much... You know what's so sick and sadistic? Some of you are like, that's awesome. I got to try that. Like, you weren't even worried about, like, my, my neighbor, you were upset about my neighbor. I can't believe he'd do that to his neighbor, but I gassed the gopher, and you're like, that's awesome, okay? You're my people. I love that about you, okay? So I gassed the gopher, but evidently he's got a, a gas suit down under the hole, and he's like, three more minutes, and we're good. All right, all safe, all safe. Take off the yellow vest, you know what I mean? And so he's back again. I'm like, I just don't know. And then somebody tells me you could put juicy fruit down the hole. You put juicy fruit gum down the hole. Some of y'all are going to go home and try this. And you put the juicy fruit, and it expands in their stomach, and, and then they, it just, they kind of self-implode on each other. How, 
How awesome would that be to see? That would just be... Okay, maybe it's just me that would be awesome to see that. But I think that might have worked because I did that about five days ago and I have not seen the gopher since. So I'm hoping that is going to get it done. The thing is, is that life is so much like that. Like you're working hard on your, your green pasture. Like David, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and you're working hard on your green pasture, and you got your green pasture just where you want it to be, right? Everything is going great, and then all of a sudden, something goes terribly wrong, and your green pasture gets all dug up. Like you go into work, and you think you're going to get a promotion, and you think things are going well, and you get that call on, on the intercom, and HR wants to see you. You walk down to the HR office and, and they give you that little spiel about, hey, you know, um, hey, it's, it's not you, it's us. You know, it's the breakup that they do. And they sit you down and they say, I'm sorry, um, we're having to do some, some downsizing. And you walk out with a box of your stuff and your green pasture has suddenly just been, just been dug up. Or you go into the, the doctor for a routine visit. This happened to Laura and I last year. You go in for a routine visit, and it's just supposed to be routine. And then the doctor comes back in and sits down and says, Hey, um, we've just seen some stuff. We're not real sure what it is, but we just need to run some more tests. And, and suddenly your green pasture is turned upside down. Or you get a phone call, and, and you, you know this person, and they're a friend or a family member, and, 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 and they are suddenly silent on the other end of the line. And then they say, hey, I gotta, I gotta tell you something. And it's not that jovial, joyous call that you expected. Or maybe it's a, a friend or, or somebody close to you that you, you love and that you, you trusted, and, and suddenly you find out they, they aren't trustworthy. There's, they were harboring a, a deep, secret and you didn't know it and they suddenly are not the person you you thought they were and and suddenly your your green your green pasture kind of turns into a minefield and it just feels like every step that you you take it doesn't matter which direction you go you're almost paralyzed because you feel like if i take a step is it is it going to explode on me again and sure enough you do you take a step and it gets worse and then, and then you take another step, and oh, maybe that one's okay, but then you take another one, and you back up, and you step, and these landmines are going off all over the place, and then suddenly your green pasture is not a green pasture in, in, anymore. It's just nothing but dirt everywhere, and you wonder, am I ever going to experience a green pasture again? You're in the valley. This is where David finds himself in this psalm, in Psalm 23, he, he says, hey, you know, you make me lie down in green pastures. You, you lead me beside the still waters. And then he says this in, in verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, most, most scholars believe that David wrote this psalm in his um, old age. 
And uh, he was older, and he was reflecting back on his life. And you may or may not know this. David was a shepherd. He's the guy that killed Goliath. And he grew up uh, as a shepherd, and he knew a thing or two about shepherding. And I, I think what he's doing is he's reflecting back on his life, and he's looking through the lens of his life that he was a shepherd. And, and he's remembering the dark valleys. He's remembering the shadow of, of, of death. And, and for a shepherd, what a shepherd does, a shepherd understands this, like, I, I have to lead my sheep through the valley that I have to go through the valley but when I go through the valley sometimes I have to walk next to the shadow of death the valley isn't the safest place and the shepherd knows that because right off in the brush could be a wolf or could be a a, a bear or could be a lion in fact David when he was uh, talking to Saul and trying to convince King Saul that he could kill Goliath do you remember what he told him he said man I've killed bears I've killed lions because he knows about the, the shadow of death, and he knows also that you can't avoid the shadow of death. You can't avoid the valley as a shepherd. You got to go through that shadow of death and the valley. The, the New Living Translation says it this way, even when I walk through the darkest valley. Instead of shadow of death, it talks about the darkest valley. I, th- I love that picture because that's where we find ourselves so many times is in the the darkest valley and 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 often don't we do this we we try we try all that we can within us to avoid the dark valley (laughs) nobody likes the dark valley and you do everything you can to try to avoid the dark valley well guess what you you can't avoid the valley you have to walk through the valley. Let's, let's just turn to three people right now and say, hey, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to walk through that valley. Hey, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to go through that valley. And in other words, all of us, no one is exempt. All of us are going to face loss. All of us at some point in our life might face betrayal. All of us in our lives are, are going to face this, this dark valley of heartache, of, of pain, of, of struggle. If you were here this summer, my uh, friend, uh, Pastor Jonathan Foster from Kansas City was here, and, and he shared about his dark valley and how he walked through his dark valley, even pastors, church planters, a man giving his life for the cause of Christ. Even he wasn't exempt from a dark valley. If you miss that, uh, you got to go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, it's one of our summer podcasts. It's an amazing story that he, he told. And See, I, I may not like it. I'm going to tell somebody right now, I don't like it. I don't like the dark valley. I don't like the dark valley. I, I may not like it. I may not want to go through it, but I'm going to have to face it. And, and I'm going to have to go through and walk through the dark valley. See, even Jesus talked about this. Jesus comes along a couple, a couple about a thousand or years more uh, later after David, and he kind of reiterates a little bit for, of what David said. And in John 16, 33, he, he says this, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Do we have that? Do we have that? It's John 16, 33? Well, you can look it up later. John 16, 33. You, here on earth, you may have, you will have many trials and sorrows, but, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In other words, because of Jesus, 
I can find rest in the midst of stress. I, I, I can have peace. I, I can have confidence. I, I can find hope. But what, what happens to us is when we're, when we're in, in the valley, and here, here's the thing about the valley. If you, you're either in the valley right now, which is where some of you are. You're in the valley some of you are, we, we, we're coming out of the valley, and you're kind of looking back at the valley. And if, so if you're not in the valley, or you're not looking back at the valley, here's what I want to say to you today, and it's probably the least encouraging word I can give you, but it's the truth. Is there is a valley that's coming. And, and I don't know when it's coming. It could come in the next 10 minutes for you with your phone. It could come in the next 10 years. I, I, I don't know when you're going to face this valley, but you're going to face it. And so what I want us to do today is do some preparation for the valley, to get ready for the valley so that we, we can get through the valley. Because what happens to us in, when, we're, when we're stuck in the valley is we'll say something like this, uh, you know what? <laughs> what, what, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? Oh, can I tell you the devil loves that question? He loves that question. He loves to answer that question. He loves to just kind of come up next to you and go, oh, man, you know, I'm really glad that you asked that question. Because here's the deal. Do you remember? You remember that thing that you did? I mean, back, yeah, well, it's, you're paying it now. You're paying for what you, for what you did, for, for what you did here and because you did that of course you're facing this or 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 if he's, he's not talking to you about your past he'll he'll tell you this to say you know what'd you do to deserve this well you're 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 not good enough and he'll say that you're you know what you, you, here's the thing you're just not you're just not good enough at your job that's why you're not getting promoted that's why you're not getting a raise that's why you're walking out with a box. Is you're just not good enough at what you do. Everybody's more talented than you are. You know why your kids are jacked up? You know why your kids are acting that way and everybody else's kids are just pristine and perfect? You're not a good enough mom. You're just not a good enough mom. You're just not very good at it. You know what? You stink as a dad. <laughs> come on, just be real. Be, come on, that's who you are. Everybody knows you're not a good dad. That's why your kids are like that. You're not, you know what, you're not, you're, you know what your problem is? You are not a good enough follower of Jesus. If you came to church just a little bit more, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you, you know, if you, know, if you just, just read your Bible, if you just gave, if you just served a little bit more, if you're just a little bit nicer, you know, then, but you know, because you're, because you're not, you do deserve this. Those are lies that the enemy likes to speak to us. Now, here, here's the thing. I, I do believe we need to do a self-evaluation. I do believe we need to, to look within ourselves because the truth is, come on, can we just be honest? There are times that we're in a dark valley because of me. <laughs> like I put myself in this dark valley. But most of the time, it's probably not. But you don't know that unless you're doing a self-evaluation. And the problem is we're too busy and we're running at breakneck speed and the only voice we're listening to is the wrong voice telling you the lies. 
And I'm telling you today, if you don't ever stop and you don't ever get beside the still waters, you are listening to the wrong voice in your life. God wants to speak the truth into your life about the kind of parent you are, about the kind of talent he's put in your life, about the kind of follower of Jesus you are, but you've got to step back and you've got to get beside the still waters. You've got to set that alarm 10 minutes earlier and you've got to get up and you've got to look into his word and, and just say, all right, God, just say, tell me something and spend a few minutes with him. And, and guess what? Over time, he's going to start showing you. He's going to start talking to you and he's going to say, it ain't you. It's not you. You're, you're, actually, you're a good dad. You're a good mom. Don't believe all those lies. And start speaking to you and showing you all the good things that you've done for your children and all the ways in which you've loved them and pointed them towards Jesus. The way in which you've spoken over them and prayed over them and been an example to them. Not perfect, but being a great example. And God will start showing you those things and speak to you through his word. And you'll be like, okay, that's not it. You know what? That's the wrong question. I'm asking the wrong question. And sometimes I'm listening to, to the wrong voice in my life. I love this because when we get beside the still waters and we, we start speaking to Jesus, there's a great example of this in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, you write that down, you read that later, John chapter 9, there's this man and he's blind, he was born blind, and his disciples do the right thing. They go to Jesus and they say, hey, is this guy, is he blind because his parents sinned or because he sinned? In other words, what they're asking is, why did this guy deserve to be blind? Because in that time before Jesus uh, the covenant, the new covenant that Jesus made with us, that's, that's what they saw. You do something bad and God smites you. You do something bad and something bad happens to you. You do good and God does good to you. And that's the way they saw the world back then. And so they're asking Jesus that question. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're, you're asking wrong. It doesn't have anything to do with sin. It doesn't have anything to do with that. No, it's because I want to be glorified through that. God's going to be glorified through that. Now, it, now that sounds kind of odd, but is God glorified through our pain and our struggle? No. God doesn't glory in your pain and your struggle. No, he glories in overcoming your pain and your struggle. That's what he, he glories in, okay? So let's encourage each other. Come on, turn to two people and tell them God's going to get the glory, okay? God is going to get the glory for what you are facing. Now, another thought that we have in the valley, if we're not saying, what did I do to deserve this? The next thing we'll say is this, well... I don't deserve this. I, I don't deserve this. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good dad. I'm a, I mean, I, I work harder than they do. I mean, I, I show up earlier than they do. I, I didn't mess up on that spreadsheet, and I, I made more sales calls than, than they did. I, 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 I deserve this. You know what? I, I deserve this. I'm, I'm a good dad. I'm a good mom. I deserve this. Or, or here's what I would do. I'm a good Christian. I mean, my butt's in the seat today. Boom, look at me. I'm a good Christian. I opened my Bible. I did the 10 minutes early thing, preacher man. I, look at me, God. I read the word. I, when the offering came, I didn't even have to give then because I gave online. I am super Christian, okay? I, I just, I'm an online giver. Whoop, whoop, raise the roof. I serve. I, I do all those things that I'm supposed to do. And then you start saying all that. And then the devil, he loves that one too. Because he comes right in. He's like, you know what? You're right. You don't deserve that. <laughs> Some God you serve, isn't it? Like, that's crazy, isn't it? You've been going to church. You've been reading your Bible. 
Man, you love your kids. You do everything. Look what they're doing. You don't deserve this. Man, you're right. You do work harder than they do. Mm. And what happens is you start listening to that voice. You start believing that voice. And then here's something that happens and your pride starts rising up in you. That's right. I don't deserve this. And guess what? Instead of making the devil the enemy, you turn and you make your God the enemy. God becomes the enemy. And you start looking at him and point a finger at him and he becomes the enemy. But God is not our enemy. That's not who he is. And I love this, right? In the middle of the valley, David turns his focus and his attention to the good shepherd. He gets his attention off of the enemy, off of the valley, and he turns it to the good shepherd. If you, what's interesting in the first part of the psalm, when he's talking about, he leads me beside still waters and, 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 and the green pastures, he, he's talking about God. But, but here, where he, when he finds himself in the valley, I love this, he starts talking to God. So early on, he's talking about God, but now he's in the valley and he's talking to God. When you're in the valley, that's a good time to start talking to God. That is a good time to turn your focus and attention and put it on him. And then he says this, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Come on, tell somebody he's with you. He is with you. You and I are not alone in the dark valley. Jesus is right there with us. The, the same God that's with us in the green pasture and the same God that's with us beside the still waters is the same God who is with us in the dark valley. Okay, the, the same God that was with Joseph when he was in the pit and when he was in the prison is the same God that's with you. The same God that was with David when he's staring down a giant. And he's a young shepherd boy. And he's the only one that will stand up. And he goes out into that valley to face this giant. That same God that was with King David is the same God that is with you. That same God that was with Peter when he was in the prison, locked and shackled, is the same God that is with you and is with me. And I love this. David, he says this. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley. Now, this is not, yay, I'm walking through the valley. <laughs> you know, yay, I got cancer. Yay. Yay, I got fired. Yay. Yay, my kids are all jacked up. Yay. No, that's not the, the kind of yay that he's talking about here at all. It's, it's, it's not that at all. In, in fact, I do think, though, that we can say yay. I, I think we can say yay when we are in the middle of a valley because the word yay, you know what it means? It's expressing triumph. That's what the word yay means. When we say yay, what we're doing when we say yay is we're, experience, we're expressing triumph. And listen, for the follower of Jesus, you can say, yay, because God is with me. Yay, because this will not conquer me. Yay, because I'm going to overcome it. Yay, the good shepherd is with me, and I will triumph over this. Amen? Come on, amen? This is who our God is. When I, when I think about the shadow 
of death that David talks about. I'm just reminded of the Israelites and when they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. You think the valley you're going through is tough. They were in a valley for 400 years. And then God says, I'm going to set you free. And he talks to this guy named Moses, and Moses goes to, this, goes to the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I ain't going to let you guys go. And then, G, and then God starts sending these plagues, and plague after plague after plague, and then finally, Pharaoh's not listening, and finally God says, I'm going to send, I'm going to send the death angel. And I'm going to take out all the firstborn in Egypt. Now, this is not good news, by the way. This is not good news, because the children of Israel, guess where they are? They're in Egypt. They're in the same valley. But God says, no, 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 hang on. I know you're in the valley, but I'll tell you what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to sacrifice a lamb, and then I want you to take the blood from that lamb, and I want you to put it on the doorpost. And, and that night when the death angel came, the death angel, the shadow of death passed right next to the doors of the Hebrews, right next to them. And inside was their firstborn wondering, is this really going to work? I mean, Moses said it's going to work, but is this really going to put blood and the death angel? And all of a sudden they hear the cries, the cries from the Egyptian people. And the cries are getting closer. They're off in the distance, but they hear it and they know the death angel is coming. And they're depending on that blood on that doorpost to save them. And suddenly they hear the cries getting closer and closer and closer. And suddenly the death angel goes and passes by them. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. So some of you know where I'm going with this. This is Jesus. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, slain for sinners. It's the blood of Jesus that covers the doorpost of my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear no evil because my God will guard over my soul and he will bring me through this valley. That's what Jesus did, his blood. And we will honor him with communion here in a few minutes. That's what he does for you and that's what he does for me is, is he brings us through. He's, he's just, he's my rock. He's my savior. He's my deliverer. I know that he is with me. And because he's with me, I do not have to fear. Truth is, though, sometimes you rise up in faith and only to get knocked back down. You get all fired up after a message like this. And you're like, that's right. Ain't no devil going to take me out. And you rise up in faith only to walk outside those doors, and then this week, boom, you just get knocked to the ground again. And then you get up and you start moving, and boom, you get knocked to the ground again. And you get up, and finally, you just had enough, right? Just forget it. I quit. I'm just going to lay down in the valley and die. I'm just done with this. I'm tired, I'm worn out, and I'm frustrated. Well, listen, I want you to just remember this, okay? Listen, according to the 23rd Psalm, we lay down in green pastures. That's where we lay down, okay? We walk through valleys, okay? We lay down in the green pastures, but we don't lay down in the valley. As followers of Jesus, we rise up and we keep on walking through the valley. We don't camp there. We don't settle there. We don't, we don't hang out there. We walk through the valley one step at a time. 
Now, some of you have heard me tell this story, but it just bears repeating in this moment is several years ago, uh, Laura and I and our family, we were knocked to the ground, knocked to the ground, devastated by a dark valley that I never saw coming, never could have seen it coming. You could have never told me it was going to happen. And then the worst of the worst of the worst happened in my life. And I got knocked down in the valley. And I remember one morning, and we had been walking through this dark valley and trusting God, but it was tough. I didn't know which end was up and which way to go. And I remember it was about 3 a.m. in the morning, and I went in, and I sat on the bathroom floor, and I just was done. It's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm trying, God. And dang it if my family isn't dependent on me. i got to be the leader of my home. That's my responsibility. I'm, I'm the man of God, and, I, and I'm a leader, and i got to lead my family, but I'm tired, God, and I just, man, i just done. I don't know what else to do, and I just sat there on the bathroom floor. Oh. And then I, I looked up, and Laura had this little sticky note, and on this little sticky note, she wrote two words, keep moving. And I just heard the voice of God just Speaking over me, you just keep moving. And I rose up off that bathroom floor and I said, all right, God, I don't know when I'm going to get out of this valley. I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this valley. I don't know, but I'll just look for any shed of light and anything I can, and I'm just going to keep moving. And we kept moving, and we kept moving, and we kept moving. And over time, it got a little less dark and a little more light shine until finally we came out of that dark valley and the sun, for the first time, the sun with its warmth and its beauty and its light was radiating on me. And God took me out of that valley and he can do that for you. He can take you out of your dark valley. So let me encourage you with this. When when you find yourself in, some of you are in such a dark valley, you can't see up, you can't see down, you, do, you don't know which way to go, right? You don't know which, I don't know what to do. Can I encourage you to do this? Look for his rod and his staff. This is what David says. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this because God, he will use his rod and his staff to remind us that he's still there. Here's what I believe his rod and his staff look like come into the house of God and you hear a song and all of a sudden there's something in that song and, and it just hits you in your soul and all of a sudden God taps you on your soul with that rod and that staff and you go, oh, there he is, there he is. Sometimes it's, it's in a message or it's in a, in a scripture that you hear on a, on a Sunday morning and nobody else around you heard it, but, but you heard it and you saw it and suddenly the rod and the staff, it just, man, it just hits you and touched you right in your, your soul. Or, or you, you come forward at the end and you step up to a member of the prayer team and you're just like, oh man, I just don't know which end is up. And they, you ever had this, somebody puts their hand on your shoulder it's like the rod and the staff of God touches you and it comforts you. Or you're alone at home and you get up 10 minutes early and you open up the word and you're looking in the word and, and all of a sudden, there it is. 
something leaps off the scripture, uh, jumps off the page at you, and suddenly the rod and the staff, it just, just, just touches you. Here's one more that I think is beautiful. Josh did an amazing job of talking about this community, friends. It's the beauty of being in the house of God and being surrounded by God's people and being in a core group or a core community, but being surrounded by God's people because you, 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 suddenly somebody will just text you, a friend will just text you, hey, praying for you today. I know you're going through a really rough time. I got your back. The rod and the staff, they touch you. Touch you in an amazing, amazing way. This is our God. 